This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning. It is Tuesday, March 16th. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. Before we get to anything today, I want to plug something from CBS Sports that everybody should know about. And I mean, look around you. The madness is upon us. And the Eye on College Basketball podcast is your audio guide for the entire NCAA tournament. Over the next few weeks, Gary Parrish and Matt Norlander will take you from Selection Sunday to the net cutting in Indianapolis. This week, they'll help you fill out your bracket and then provide recaps after each day of action as the tournament tips off. If you want the best March Madness analysis, subscribe to the Eye on college basketball podcast anywhere you find this one i definitely could use some bracket help from gary and matt because i'm looking at mine and i've got lsu making a little run here well not that far of a run i've got lsu beating st bonaventure in round one and then putting quite the fright into michigan in round two and i'm wondering if that's the wrong idea because as good as lsu is offensively they're horrible defensively let's look at the ken palm says it's 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 pretty crazy. I mean, LSU's got an awesome big three, and they have the number five offense in college basketball. But defensively, number 125. You're not going to win a title with the number 125 defense. And the reason I say all this is because though I'm talking about the LSU basketball team, I very well could have been talking about the 2020 LSU football team. And that's what we're talking about today on the College Football Daily. It's going to be a conversation, a really good one with Shay Dixon of Go 24-7. Real honest, candid talk about how disappointing disappointing LSU was last season and what Ed Orgeron is doing about it. Now, LSU is always one of the more polarizing teams in college football. This offseason is no different. And you've got a quarterback battle. You've got a new DC. You've got a new OC. You've got lots of young players who are rising stars like receiver Kayshawn Boutte, cornerback Eli Ricks. You've also got a lot of drama though, right? Like Eric Gilbert, he's gone. Eli Ricks, guys, Eli Ricks almost transferred from LSU and Shay's going to talk about that when we bring him on. Uh, You had midseason opt-outs in addition to uh, Jamar Chase opting out before the season even started. You have serious questions about Ed Orgeron's ability to lead a program. And I'm not just talking about wins on the field, but a lot of unsavory off the field happenings in Baton Rouge in the last few years as it relates to football players and their treatment of women and mistreatment in this case. and, and, And we talk about that as well. So Stay tuned because this conversation with Shay, it's really good and and it's going to help you get more knowledgeable and, and more in tune with one of college football's marquee programs. And we'll get to that right after a quick break. Before we do that, just one other news of note here is the NCAA committee is finally going to recommend that the recruiting dead period end May 31st. So this dead period has been going on for a year now, ever since the COVID-19 pandemic took hold of our lives 
And for a while it was, you know, the, the NCAA would bump it back a few months and bump it back and bump it back. I know a few of our recruiting analysts thought that, you know, it might be over right now and that players could visit schools officially and, and coaches could travel. Hasn't happened yet. Everyone's still doing everything virtually and any player visit is on their own dime and not permitted to, to go officially visit with any of the coaches. That finally, again, finally supposed to be ending after May 31st. So if you're a college football recruiting fan, and I don't know why you wouldn't be a college football recruiting fan because that is a lifeline of the sport. Get ready for a very busy June. Okay, quick break, then Shay Dixon. The College Football Daily will be right back. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, bringing in Shay Dixon right now. Shay, I'm sure you had a blast covering the 2019 national title team. I think 2020 was probably a little different for you where you were all of LSU LSU Nation kind of exhaling once the season finally ended. Yeah, for sure. I think that after a 15-0 national championship, Heisman, number one pick, five first-round picks or whatever it was that people even in the moment said, I don't care if LSU ever wins another game. I can die in peace. This is the best season ever. They beat Alabama and Tuscaloosa. Uh, and now I realize, and I think fans are realizing that uh, they did indeed sell their soul to the devil for some period of time. And we'll see if it ends after just one season of, of 500 football and lots of opt-outs. Yeah, lots of opt-outs. Did that surprise you? The the, the D- Jamar Chase opt-outs and then all the other opt-outs. And then eventually that trickles into mid-season opt-outs. And then eventually Eric Gilbert transfers. So that's, that caught, catch you off guard at all? Yeah. Well, let's say that in the beginning when players who were considered to be very high draft picks started to opt out, I was not surprised Jamar Chase did it. And then I wasn't totally surprised that Kerry Vincent and Tyler Shelvin did it. Now, they're not pegged as first rounders. So you wondered why wouldn't they come back and prove their stock? But they were made the decision and it was ahead of the season. So I wasn't too shocked by that. But boy, Trey, I was surprised, very surprised at the midseason stuff. And I know it happened around college football, but to me, not at the clip of LSU in terms of how big the players were. I mean, Siaki Ika gets forgotten, not who Ika who was playing and midseason just opted out and ultimately is going to Baylor with Dave Aranda, his old DC. But the big ones were obviously Terrace Marshall, followed the next week by Eric Gilbert, all coming in the final three weeks of the season. And, you know, for Marshall, it was about almost, hey, look, I've put enough out there now. I'm not going to, I could get injured in these two next games. Anything could happen. So I'm, I'm hanging it up now. And obviously with Gilbert, it became much more off the field stuff that even with things being kept close to the vest, I think people can read at this point, going in and out of the portal a few times and then committing to Florida and now coming out of the port, you know, going into it again. Uh, there's a lot at play. And, and look, down here at Baton Rouge, when you talk to coaches or anyone, they kind of just want the best for Eric and hope he can find a, a spot where you can get back in the classroom, get back on the field, because we ranked him, what, our highest ranked tight end in the history of our company of 24-7, dating back to, what, 2011, 2012. 
passing up OJ Howard. So, I mean, this is, this is a kid who's got all the talent in the world and, and you would just love to be able to see it on a college football field again. I'm definitely going to get to the quarterbacks because the Jamar Chase thing is interesting. And I want to circle back to why I was wrong about a thought I had when Jamar Chase first opted out. So we'll get to that and, and remind me if I don't Shay, before we let you go, as far as LSU's roster situation entering the spring, I saw the Micah Baskerville stuff, the starting defender, you know, might not be with the team anymore. I saw that there was a, a, a transfer from a, a, a back up defensive back, but like you, you reported extensively at go 24 seven about, you know, is Eli Ricks, is, is he going to follow Eric Gilbert as a high profile freshman to, to transfer? And, and he didn't, he's, he's in the boat. You know, they've got Derek Stingley. They've got a really fun receiving core, some freshmen and, and some rising sophomores start with the Rick stuff, Shay, but like this, it seems like outside of quarterback, there's a, there's a lot of stuff to build around here, even just for the one season. Yeah. I mean, we heard rumblings about Rick's potentially looking around and you heard it coming out of Ohio state and USC fans saying, Hey, look, there might be something to this, but uh, ultimately, you know, look, kids are 18, 19. It was such an odd year where they never left their apartments. They couldn't go out and have a normal college life. So I think thoughts are running through all these kids' heads. And, and as you said, he stayed, he's in the boat. And that really sets them up with what the best I saw that PFF did a sort of returning guys who will be back in college football this year and what their grades over their college career have been. Uh, and the highest two corners that we're returning, we're Stingley and Rick. So, I mean, you look at LSU's secondary, which was atrocious. Absolutely. The whole defense was, but the secondary was lost time and time again last year. And you said, well, it's not talent. Well, they moved on from Bo Pelini after just one year. They've, of the 10 on-field assistants, Trey, this is one of the more interesting storylines for me this spring. Five of them are brand new, whether it was firings or retirings, whatever, however you paint it, half of the on-field staff is now working with these guys for the very first time. So, obviously, Obviously, Orgeron wanted to inject some new blood. They've got a new safeties coach. They've got a new DC. Corey Raymond is obviously still there as corners coach. They hired Blake Baker as a linebackers coach. But when you look specifically at that cornerback room, really, and you say Stingley and, and Ricks, they're the best one-two punch out there. And, you know, at least in the opinion of many analysts, and I, I'm on the inside, I see it every day, and, and I, I'm not as privy to, to how everybody else looks out there around the country, and certainly beyond the SEC. But then you add in guys like Jay Ward, who was phenomenal to end the year when they were able to win two games and, and beat a top 10 Florida team. You look at a guy like Cordell Flott, who's played for a couple of seasons, Dwight McLaughlin, who was a freshman last year. I think they're inching themselves back towards not just having that elite talent that's Ricks and Stingley, but building up a nice cornerback room to where you feel good about pegging them or putting them in that conversation is DBU as the, the school that turned out everyone from Peterson to Matthew to, to Davis White. I'm excited to watch Stingley this fall. I think he's going to come out. And- it's a money year. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, like, secure the bag. I don't think I'm cool enough to say that. But look, when you're that good, that young, Shay, people are going to hate on you. You know, the Bama fans will be like, yeah, but he got burned by Devontae Smith as a friend, like, who didn't? And then, you know, the, the 2020 was just up and down for everybody. I think Stingley is still absolutely in a position to at least tie Jeff Okuda's number three overall spot as a cornerback in the NFL draft in, in 2022. So that'll be really fun. Tell me about the the staff changes. You mentioned them, the five new on-field assistants, but more more specifically, let's start with the the defensive coordinator search was not as smooth as the uh, the replacement over on the offensive side of the ball where Ed Orgeron kind of just started picking off the Joe Brady, uh, the, the Joe Brady tree. Um, and, and got some, some new fun, young offensive minds, uh, Jake Peets and, and those guys. And, and I think they're going to be pretty good with miles Brennan, but defensively Shay, this was a, uh, 
a topic of consternation for LSU fans, right? Yeah, and and when you look back at the, and this is what I said when they went through, look, go out and get the best DC that, that you think is out there. And Marcus Freeman was on that list. And then they they interviewed Zach Arnett, and and really it didn't seem like the two sides maybe felt it was a fit. And you know they got into it with Ryan Nielsen at the Saints before he stayed put with the Saints, and and ultimately got a promotion out of that. And and you felt like okay, man, they're really going down the list here. And they land on Durante Jones, who comes to him from the Vikings. And and I'll say this. I think that defense needed, I'm all about hiring the best available person, but I think that it's an added bonus when it's a younger person. I think that defense, those rooms needed kind of a flash of, uh, of someone maybe who could understand them better, understand where they're coming from, understand their frustrations away from school or whatever it might be. And, and I think all of that plays out onto the field. So I like the hires there, but what I was saying beforehand and during was it can take forever. If LSU goes 15 and 0 and they have the number one defense in the country, nobody's going to say, well, it took Ed Orgeron six weeks to figure it out, but he finally got someone lucked into him. No, the results will be on the field. No, we debated for hotly for a month of when would they find a defensive coordinator. They've got one. And, and now really the only thing to judge is what the results in the field are. And they'll be better than they were a year ago because they have to be. They were the worst defense statistically in LSU history and the third worst defense in the entire NCAA. So it's so baffling to think that LSU with all that talent could put that up as their final numbers. And I think that's a large reason why Ed Orgeron pretty much cleaned house on that side of the ball. And remember, Trey, it's his side of the ball. He's a defensive line coach by trade, takes it quite seriously. So uh, I think we're going to see an LSU defense with fire lit underneath them by their head coach and, and hopefully carried out by these uh, new, new hires. Offensively, what are you expecting? I'm going to circle back to my Jamar Chase thing. When he opted out, sort of in the midst of fall camp, I was like, okay, well, maybe he saw the quarterback situation and decided it was going to paint a pretty ugly picture for his efforts to duplicate a 2019 season that was fantastic. And he's just he's just getting out now. I was wrong. Miles Brennan's really good when healthy. And Max Johnson shocked me and, and TJ Finley's in the mix too. So you've got a quarterback battle and I feel like whoever wins that job is going to put up some pretty big numbers. Yeah, and I look back at Steve Ensminger and the job they did last year with Miles Brennan comes out the gate in three games, not even three full games because he got injured in that Missouri game. Throws for 1,200 plus yards, I think 1,100, a little over 1,100 yards, 11 touchdowns. His numbers were neck and neck with Mac Jones at that time. I'm not saying he was going to go on and be Mac Jones in that year that he had, but he was coming strong out the gate. And then, as you said, Max finishes 2-0 and on the back end. TJ got three or four starts in that stretch. So they were able to go through all of that with three different quarterbacks. And still, by season's end, Kayshawn Butte breaks the SEC record for most yards in a game while catching passes from a true freshman that was the third starter you had putting out there this year. Uh, going over 300 yards in a game was incredible. And, and I wrote about this in our spring previews, and and I think it speaks to the reality of, of what to expect this fall from LSU on offense. And uh, as you noted, he picked off the Joe Brady tree by getting you know Jake Peets in as OC, DJ Mangus back as pass game coordinator, was always Brady's right-hand man. And uh, they want to get back to that sort of explosive offense. Now, not many people realize this. LSU had the number 15 total offense in the country last year, and they played an SEC-only schedule. They were they were 5-5. Five and five. It wasn't the offense's fault. They were dropping 40 points a game. It was that they couldn't play defense and to a historically bad level. So just knowing that two years ago, yes, you had five first-rounders, you had Joe Burrow, you had you know this perfect marriage of Insmere and Joe Brady. Everything worked, and they had the number one offense in the country. Well, even when they finished 5-5, five and five, they had a top 15 offense. And we're talking about an LSU program that doesn't always have great offenses. It wasn't until recently that uh, they actually 
actually moved out of the the old I form formation and, and kind of caught up with everybody else to the spread and the RPO game. I think that they'll just continue to pick up and run with that. I would I will be surprised if LSU is not a top twenty five offense again this year, just because all of the pieces are there as well as the philosophy. Yeah, and further, I think LSU is probably a top fifteen team in the preseason. Which hey, you know maybe that's going out on, out on a limb, but I really like them. I've been wrapping up all of these preseason spring football whatever conversations with this like big picture macro look at the program and and just kind of getting the fan base appetite and and seeing how they feel about the head coach for LSU it feels a little bit more complicated Shay with everything that's that's going on and we're a few days removed right now from the uh, less miles uh, USA Today reports and of course Ed Orgeron was under some serious heat for similar things and, and mishandlings of players and 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 sexual violence and, and, and things like that. Does it feel like this is a big year for Coach O? Shay, I mean, he's only two years removed from winning a national title, but when I go to your board sometimes, I see that there are a few people who are a little bit fed up. Yeah, I mean, I think it is a bit, it's a massive year for Coach O, and, and I think it's wild to say, right? I mean, he was coach of the year two years ago. He The year prior, he took me to their first New Year's Six Bowl and since 2011 when they made the national championship and lost Alabama. So the run of success from 2018-19 was unbelievable. He got a new contract out of it, all of that. But then 2020 comes along and everything that came with it. And, you know, they finished five and five, but the Polini hire wasn't working out. There was dissension on the team. There were guys opting out. Uh, They looked lackadaisical on the field. There were a lot of things outside the football team that were making the news or, you know, outside of games that were making news, whether it was involving Orgeron or involving players on the team or whatever it was. And I think that a lot of fans and a lot of people, and certainly in media was written about that this doesn't, this looks like it's falling apart type thing quite quickly. Like you, you were playing at the end of the year, granted they won a couple of games with 56 scholarship players. And it was a result of so many guys either being dismissed or transferring out or graduating and going early to the pros from that 2019 team. And it sort of felt like as much as you had built equity in terms of if I'm Coach O, that it was being taken from me by people saying, well, they're five and five now. Um, they're trending in the wrong direction. They've got all the guys leaving. The best players are opting out. Eric Gilbert's gone now. What's happening over there? And now I think it's Orgeron sees that, hey, look, I've got five new hires now of the 10 on-field guys. I've got hired two new coordinators. Uh, and people are expecting me to put out a team that returned every starting offensive lineman, every starting defensive lineman, three quarterbacks who all started games a year ago, really talented, as you said, young receiver room, cornerback room, signed a number three class. There's no reason for you not to be back in the conversation of battling to win the SEC West and play for a championship. And if you're not doing that, that rhetoric will continue of, well, we've trended in the wrong direction. And is is he really the guy to get us back there? I'm not saying that I'm sharing this opinion. I'm just saying that is the debate around Baton Rouge. And that's just kind of how it is when you're one of the top 10 programs in the country. You've always got uh, sort of always being put under the microscope. And because of that, I think that 2021, and I would have never said this prior to last season, is a massive season for Ed Orgeron and direction of this program. All right. Thanks again to Shea Dixon for joining us. Very busy time for him. Got a basketball team in the NCAA tournament and got a football team that, look at the calendar, it's March 16th they start spring practice today so good luck to shay dixon follow him on twitter at shay dixon and and thanks for listening to our conversation with him our producer's name is lance glenn i'm trey scott and we'll talk to you next time on the college football daily okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.